Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Come plan your dream wedding all in one day at the 17th Annual Newport Bridal Show on March 3rd. Meet with more than 80 top wedding professionals at two of Newport's most romantic venues, Rosecliff and Ocean Cliff Mansions. Visit NewportBridalShow.net to buy your ticket today. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Strip Search, the comic strip podcast. I am Pete Chianka, and I am here, as always, with my partner, Dave London. Hi, Dave. Hey, Pete. How are things going? Things are going well. It's uh, January. We're getting ready for a big snowstorm in New England. you have a shovel? Uh, <laughs> I, I'm going to need a big shovel from what yeah. I understand a on big, this one. big shovel. Do you, do you recruit your kids into the shoveling? You know, you know, we, ha- we haven't done that yet. I actually have a guy that plows me out, so my kids are lucky. Oh, that, you have uh, a guy? We, we have a guy that plows uh, us out. Yeah. i got to get a guy. A, a real man with you know, a plow <laughs> on a truck, unlike, you know, unlike me. We we do have my father in law has a, has a plow which comes in handy but we do you know I get my son out to do the the walks and we take care of all that it's nothing you know it's yeah. snow we don't get excited about it here <laughs> in New England it's part of part of what we it, do it, we had to go through it uphill both ways when we were kids exactly we were school, so. exactly so um, so we're very excited about that but in the meantime we are here to talk to Charles Brubaker the cartoonist behind Ask a Cat which you may ha- may or may not have seen but uh, I think you will be interested in looking at it after you hear our conversation with him in a little while. But first, we had a couple of things to update you on. Uh, we have some big news regarding our Pet Peeves book. Isn't that right, Dave? Incredibly big news. Bigger than the snowstorm news, I think. We are looking to kick off, you notice how I use the word kick, <laughs> our Kickstarter, which is the opportunity for you to give us money in exchange for our book and for special goodies. And that's going to kick off at the beginning of February. That's the current plan. So if you go to PetPeevesComic.com, you'll be able to keep up with that, or even better yet, follow us on Facebook. And we'll let you know as that develops. You'll get an opportunity to get in on the ground floor, get the first copies of the book, get some original drawings and some things that other folks won't have access to. And um, it's pretty exciting. I'm looking forward to it. I am, too. I'm really looking forward to it. When you read all the strips together in a book, you know, they're actually pretty funny. (laughs) That's surprising, (laughs) unlike the dourness that we assumed it would be. And I think our our readers will will agree that uh, it's fun to have them all in one place. So keep an eye on that. And also uh, keep an eye. The strip's going to, and we have some changes in store for the strip, some temporary changes coming in February because of a development with you, Dave. Uh, why don't you tell the folks uh, what's going on with uh, that? Yes, uh, Dave is joining the Witness Protection Program. <laughs> and we will, no, he is getting I some, thought we were going <laughs> to say Cousin Oliver is joining the strip. <laughs> he is getting some surgery on mm. his your right, shoulder. My right shoulder, which your happens right to be shoulder, your drawing, drawing shoulder. shoulder right. um, and that's going to lay you up for a while? Uh, it will put me out of commission for a few weeks. I'm, uh, I'm hoping to be, you know, back uh, in full commission after about a month, so we're sort of ballparking that. But never fear, I guess is what I would say to our to our listeners, because you still you could still talk, so it won't affect the podcast. That's true. That's true. I'm not no surgery on the mouth. Right? Yes. 
<laughs> as much as some people might <laughs> advocate for that. That is not happening. And as far as the strip, we have planned ahead. This is a first for us. I don't know if we've no, ever done right. anything like this right, in the, right. the many years that we've collaborated. The, the deadline has been our motivation <laughs> up until now. Yes. But we actually have a, about a, a month's worth of mm-hmm. Pet Peeves comic strips uh, in the can. Right. As they say. Um, Stock gags. Yeah, that we'll be able to use while while Dave is recuperating. And some of them you'll notice have, you know, basically you drew them once and we filled in the word bubbles with different words right. three or four times. But uh, it was a nice challenge, actually. It was, yeah. it was fun to uh, approach the strip a little differently that and, way. And we'll be able to use those stock situations maybe even in the future yes. if we come up with uh, good gags that fit in. That's right, because now we could finally go on vacation. Right, right. <laughs> without this hanging over our head. So keep an eye out for that in, in February, too. That should be fun. And uh, before we get to Charles Brubaker, you know, we also like to talk a little bit about developments among the comic strip industry and related fields. And I, I saw a headline recently that struck me. Um, Apple, you've heard of Apple? Uh, some small company they make some sort of technological product. I think. I I think so. I forget. I forget exactly what it's called. But they, so they are launching like everybody a streaming service. You know, I I mean, soon. You remember when like everybody said, "Oh, cut your cords. You don't need cable anymore. It's cheaper to get go streaming." You know, and when it was just Netflix, that made a lot of sense. I think you know, within the next like two or three years, you're going to have to subscribe to fourteen different. (laughs) <laughs> streaming services to get all the shows you want. And now Apple's going to have this one, and it's going to feature, among other things, presumably, new Peanuts cartoons. They licensed the the Peanuts characters, and they're coming up with a new uh, original series, specials, and shorts is what they're, they're talking about. And I, I don't know. I can always get a little concerned in the post-Schultz era to, to see what people are going to do with with the the peanuts i think the the movie from a few years ago i thought was really good captured the spirit for the most part and you know but I, i've seen one or two of the tv specials since schultz passed on and, and the movie of course and they seem to they some I, I hate to say it but sometimes things go too well for charlie brown <laughs> In some of those. I feel like they're, they're a little afraid to get as morose as Charles F. Schultz sometimes would. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. I, I did enjoy the movie. I thought it was really well done. So I, I do have to say that, you know, there's there's a lot of controversy when uh, a strip's creator passes on and somebody else takes it over, either the children or, or somebody else continues it on. And, you know, I, I can see both sides of the argument. You want to obviously create new opportunity for new cartoonists and new strips. At the same time, you know, there's a lot of fan base for the strips. I mean, if somebody's son who's worked on a strip for years with their father takes it over, is that a problem or not? But um, with, at least with the Peanuts movie, I thought that the folks behind that did, did a good job. So I'm, I'm hopeful for it. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I love, I, you know, I do love watching the Peanuts specials with my kids or did for, you know, their well into their teen years now. My daughter will, will be 20 pretty soon, believe, believe it or not. Um, but they really grew to love peanuts over the years, just like I did. And you know, I know I know they will continue to, based on the you know the experience we've had. So it's nice to see the sort of the legacy continuing as as long as it's done well. You know, I get concerned. I don't know. We're big Muppets fans in the house too, and some of the post Henson stuff has been better better than others. 
And, uh, you know, I know, did you watch the Muppets TV series of a year, year or so back? Uh, one or two episodes. I was not that thrilled with it. Yeah, it did not do well. I, we stuck with it right, right to the end. And it, and it was getting in a groove, but it really, a lot of people didn't like it. They felt that it, it wasn't true to the characters, including Frank Oz, who didn't feel like it was true to the characters that, that Jim Henson and he had created a little too edgy and modern and not as sweet as, you know, the Muppets could sometimes be. So yeah, there is always that that risk. I guess at the end of the day, I'd rather see the characters continue in some form um, and just hope that it's done well. Do you agree, Dave? <laughs> I agree, Pete. I, I yeah. I, <laughs> I think I Dave's agree. eating his lunch over there. <laughs> um, so I, I just couldn't think of anything to say. <laughs> so we will see uh, about that, and of course, you can hear about it here. We'll let you know when that is going to debut, um, and when you could plunk out your another nine bucks a month for your Apple streaming service after you've already gotten the Disney streaming service and Netflix and Hulu and whatever else is is floating around up there. So we're getting to the 10-minute mark, which means we should not keep you waiting any longer to talk to Charles Brubaker. So after a very quick break, we will be back with him. Stay tuned. Hey, everybody. Pete here from Strip Search, the comic strip podcast. Dave and I just wanted to remind you before we go on to check out the latest edition of Comic Strip Cartoonist Magazine by the Comic Arts Press. They're working on issue number 10, which will feature a look back at some of the cartoonists that they've already profiled to see what new developments have occurred for them, including us. Me and Dave will talk about our latest pet peeves endeavors, and you'll see some new strips. So make sure to visit our website, petpeevescomic.com, to find a link to Comic Arts Press to find out everything you need to know. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Strip Search, the comic strip podcast. I'm Pete Chianka. I am here, as always, with Dave London. And we are ready to welcome our special guest for this month, the man behind Ask a Cat which you may have seen in Go Comics and some other places. Mr. Charles Brubaker, welcome, Charles. Hey, how are you? We're doing all right. Thank you so much for coming on today. No problem. So as I mentioned, you know, you, you, you do a strip called Ask a Cat. I think it's about time somebody realized there are things we would all like to ask our cats. Unfortunately, most of us don't get an answer when we do ask <laughs> since our cats are, are basically just ignoring us. So it's, it's a little bit of wish fulfillment to see the cat in your strip who actually answers. So the obvious question out of the gate is what inspired Ask a Cat? Okay, so this is actually kind of weird. Like around 2014-ish, I was doing another comic called A Witch Named Coco, which is about a, well, a witch named Coco, and <laughs> I I was hosting it on my blog, and and at the time, there was a thing on Tumblr blog where you get a fictional character, and you get people to ask questions for a fictional, fictional character, and, you know, and they would, and the artist would draw, you know, the character responding, and I thought I'd do something similar with Coco, but... For some reason, I decided, you know, rather than using characters I already had, I just replaced Coco with a random cartoon cat I drew. So I came up with a concept for Ask a Cat and asked, you know, people to send in questions. And 
I would illustrate it. Yeah. I figured I would only do maybe five or six of these strips, but I think I ended up doing about 20 strips that month. So it kind of became a regular thing. Now, do you still get actual questions from, from real humans, or are you making up most of the questions yourself? It's mostly, it's a mix of both. I, you know, I get questions from emails, and I sometimes make up my own, and sometimes they would give me a prompt or an idea, and I just base a question around it. That's so funny. What, give us an example of a, a typical ask a cat question you might get from the general public. Well, let's see. Like, I got one recently about what cat thinks of rabbits, for example. So, and there are people. And, would, and there are people. Like I said, there are people really wondering what does that yeah. cat think of rabbits. Yeah. And and you, I like the idea because with a cat, you feel like you know a, a cat's going to be straight with you. When you when yeah. you ask him, like if it was a dog, they're just going to tell you what you want to hear. The cat mm-hmm. the cat is going to give you some real real advice, and uh, oh, yeah. so and this right now. So where I guess where was the strip when it started, and where is it now in terms of um, distribution and and how have you got it out in front of people? Well, it was originally on my you know blog, and then after I think about a month, you know, I did about twenty strips, so I sent it, you know, I, I sent it to uh, you know. Andrews McNeil, you know, because they had their Go Comics platform. Yep. I submitted the strips along with cover letter, and at the same time, I also self-published a mini comic where I printed out all the strips I've done and stapled it together, you know, as a miniature comic book that I could sell in conventions, and naturally sold pretty well. I think I, I think I sold every copy I brought. Wow! I went to, you know, I self-published Ask a Cat like putting together, you know, printing out all the strips I've done at that point and then stapling it together. And I brought it to my first convention in Bowling Green, Kentucky, and I sold every copy I brought, you know, with me at the convention, which was a first sign that this is, you know, something. Right, you're, you know. you're striking a nerve with, with, with yeah, people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then around that same time, I received an email from Andrews McNeil telling me they want to run the comic on Go Comics, and it debuted on a site on June 2015, I believe, and it's been running ever since. That's great. I mean, I think that you know, and a lot of people are a lot of people are sort of vaguely familiar with Go Comics, but they might not realize sort of exactly what it entails. Maybe you could talk a little bit about that. I mean, my understanding is it's sort of like in between, you know, and being nationally syndicated to newspapers. And you know, distributing yourself, they get you out on their platform. But it's it's um, is it strictly um, online, or does it do they distribute to print at all? No, no, it's only it's only online okay. on Go Comics. Although I have self distributed the comic to a couple of college papers, like Yale Yale University's newspaper student newspaper runs it, for example. Okay, yeah, so it's uh, it's it does run it. Because what's the frequency? Uh, is it three times a week? Uh, once a week. Oh, it is one just once a week. Okay, so that makes yeah. sense. Uh, yeah, every Sunday. Okay. And have you gotten, did you just see interest explode when it debuted on Go Comics? Because they, they certainly have, have quite an audience. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're definitely an audience. I get, like, I definitely get people commenting on it. And, and I don't know the exact statistics. I haven't really checked, but. I know I get a lot more views on Go Kongs than if I did it myself. 
So, hey, this is Dave. Hey, Charles. Uh, being the cartoonist side of, uh, or the artist side of our, our um, team here, I want to ask you, what is your technique for drawing your various strips? Are you old school? Do you use electronic media? Oh, uh, well, right now, the way I do it is I have a, is I use a clip studio paint to put the roughs together. I, I use my, I use a tablet to sketch the comic on clip studio paint using a template I made. And then when I'm satisfied with a sketch, I, you know, save it, you know, then I open it on Photoshop and convert it to non-reproduction blue, you know, very light blue. So it doesn't show up when you scan and then I print that out on cardstock then I take it to my drawing table and ink it using various pens I have like the main I use calligraphy pen for the main drawings for example it's interesting a lot of cartoonists who use a combination of old and new techniques tend to start out drawing by hand and then make that a digital version for the final. It sounds like you're almost doing it in reverse. Oh, yeah. I I mean, I'm not the only one who does this. I heard, you know, a couple other cartoonists who do this technique, and I just, you know, I, I, love, I love inking traditionally, so it just works best for me. Yeah, way. something about the feel of the pen on the paper. They, you can't oh, reproduce yeah. like, that. Yeah. Yeah, like, ink. I'm one of the few cartoonists who actually considers inking their favorite part. You know, I hear a lot who tells me it's their least favorite part, but I'm one of the few who considers inking to be their favorite part. So there's that. What about coloring? How do you do that? I use, well, now, Ask a Cat is black and white, but Fuzzy Princess, I, which is in color, I do it on Photoshop. Like, what a... Generally, you know, Fuzzy Princess is a story-driven strip, so I would finish, you know, drawing all the pages first, which can be from 20 to 30 pages, and then I would color, like, in batches, one character. Like, the way I do it is I have a color palette for each recurring characters, and then, like, I would pick the main character, say, Princess Cat, and I would... You know, go one page, you know, color all the panels with Princess Cat, you know, Princess Cat, and then move on to the next page and color, you know, Cat. And then I do this for maybe five to ten pages, and then once Princess Cat is colored on all the pages, you know, I go back and color, you know, other characters, you know. And then gradually all the characters are finished, and then I work on backgrounds and props and stuff afterwards. So it sounds like you've actually sort of done you know, almost a mini graphic novel that then you split up into individual strips before mm-hmm. then collecting them again into into a graphic novel. Is that how, basically how it works? Yeah, pretty much. And that's yeah. and that's what you're working on um, right now in terms of uh, a book, right? Yeah. It's, no, yeah. It's, I, I published it before in black and white, but, you know, I'm, it's been a dream to get it printed in color, so that's... That's what the Kickstarter is for. Um, and, we, and I should mention that um, if people go to our website, petpeevescomic.com slash podcast, you'll see links to all of Charles's work and to the Kickstarter if you'd like to get in on the ground floor of uh, his Fuzzy Princess uh, graphic novel that uh, that he's working on. Now, when when do you expect that to come out? Uh, around June. 
Okay, so we got we got a little time. What's the audience for that book? Is it a younger audience? Yeah, I kind of aim it for the un- younger audience, although I definitely have a lot of adults reading it, and that's fine. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think the age range I decided is 7 to 12, I believe, but it really is an all-ages strip. So. Well, and I mean we- it, but... And so, I mean it by all ages, yeah. Yeah, I mean we and so many, you know, cartoonists now. It seems almost expected that you're going to do some kind of either uh, graphic novel or a, or a, you know, wimpy kid style story with illustrations. I mean, very, you know, it seems rare almost that you know to have the cartoonist who's just doing a comic strip these days. It's usually a couple of irons <laughs> in the fire. Do, do yeah. you enjoy the one one type over the other? That's you know, it's a different process for me. Like in a way, I think. Fuzzy Princess is probably more easier to write because, you know, I I kind of have an idea what the characters are like, you know, how they would react to a situation. So it's just a matter of writing it out. And with Ask a Cat, you know, you kind of have, you know, it's a one, you know, it's a gag a, gag a day strip, you know, more close right. to the newspaper stuff. You kind of have to get it, you know, right and just one, get the idea right in just one page. While Fuzzy Princess, you know, at least I have several pages I can flesh out. Yeah, I mean, I definitely find that when we do, you know, most of our, you know, our strip pet peeves, a lot of them are mm-hmm. one-off gags, and you have to come up with, you know, what you consider that killer punchline to make it work. And then every so often we'll do, you know, a five or six part series, and I feel like, you know, if it's true to the characters, you know, they don't have mm-hmm. to be laugh out loud hilarious as long as sort of the story gets somewhere. And and you know people are at least nodding in, in recognition, but it's yeah it's, it's sort of a different a different approach. Yeah. Um, now you two just a, just a little a little Charles Brubaker trivia. You you grew up in Japan, is that right? Yeah, I was born and raised in Japan. And you know, do you feel like that's influenced your style? Obviously, they're you know they're very unique art styles coming out of Japan. Oh yeah, oh yeah, definitely a lot of influence. Like it's kind of a mix of. You know what I enjoy from American comics and Japanese comics growing up. So there's definitely a mix of styles there. Yeah, that's interesting. So it's a um, you know is it a um, sort of concerted decision on your part, or is it more you feel like it's just part of of who you are and what you do at this point? Yeah, a little bit of both. I think like I definitely there are definitely elements you know from both you know that I consciously put in and. But after a while, and it was just you know part of how I draw, you know, part of who I am at this point. Right, right. So, what's on the horizon for uh, Ask a Cat and Fuzzy Princess? We know we have the book, the book coming. Um, any yeah. other plans uh, in in the works? Well, speaking of books, I, I do have a second Ask a Cat book that's coming out around the spring, and this 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 one will go strict to Amazon, so no Kickstarter needed. Okay, so people be able to to uh, just go on Amazon and and uh, take a look for that one. Yeah, it's a black and white book, so the printing cost isn't as high on this one. Right, right. Which is why I'm going straight to Amazon. And do you do the sort of the uh, c- comic uh, convention circuit down there? And I should mention uh, you, you were based in in Tennessee. Um, yeah. So do you do you uh, travel around and meet 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 the fans, so to speak, down there? Oh yeah, definitely. Like. Like last year alone, you know, I went to uh, conventions in uh, Chicago, Ann Arbor, uh, a few, a bunch of other places. I yeah. been to, I've 
Yeah, I've been to so many places at this point, I can't remember them all. <laughs> I went to Denver, Colorado years ago that I enjoyed and it is fun, and, and you see, for just from our limited experience, you know, we've we've done uh, recorded podcasts at a couple of these events, and got to meet some of the uh, the creators and also the people who who were there, and it, it's so cool to see people who come who are so open to new stuff. You know, you feel oh. like like do you find like people walk up to you having never heard of you and uh, are just really open to finding out what you're all about? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 yeah, that's definitely one of the fun parts about conventions. Yeah. All right. Dave, do you have any uh, anything on your... Uh... Hey, you know what? Just one final question. This goes back to the beginning. Something I always like to ask people is how they got into cartooning. So what was it that uh, led you to become a cartoonist way back when? No, like, well, I, I've always been interested in cartooning. You know, I watched and read a lot of comics, you know, for most of my life. And I think what really got me interested is around i think it was around 2000 or 2001 uh there was a book published you know of calvin Hobbes. Uh, it was a catalog retrospective of the original art exhibit and they reproduced the original art ex- exactly as they were you know, and you could where you could see you know all the white outs and you know inking you know corrections and pencil marks and i think that was the eureka moment for me when I realized I could draw comics like that. And that's, it was around the time that where I became more serious about drawing comics. All right. Great. Yeah. There are, there are, you could do a lot worse for an inspiration than uh, than Calvin and Hobbes. I think (laughs) I, I have a feeling that, uh, Bill Waters has inspired a lot of, uh, cartoonists in that, you know, in, in that era. Oh yeah, absolutely. Definitely one of the most influential comic strips around. Yeah. All right. Well, Charles Brubaker, thank you so much for taking time to talk to us today. No problem. It was, it was, it was a pleasure. And uh, I want to remind everybody out there to visit our website, petpeepscomic.com slash podcast, to see some examples from Ask a Cat and Fuzzy Princess and also links to other work by Charles and to where you can get your hands on some yourself. And make sure to... Check back in February when our guest will be cartoonist Pat Sandy. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.